All right, so let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I just want to review a couple things with you. Um, by the way, I look forward to Tuesday nights. They're my highlight of my week. So I thank you for being here. Um, so sanctification is such a beautiful word, isn't it? And um, when we look at sanctification... We're, we're really being set apart unto Christ and his word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. So sanctification is really a process, isn't it? It's like a mile, right? Step by step, sprint by sprint. We call this progressive sanctification where we are being made like Christ in time. We're set apart unto Christ. Now, positionally, that's already happened. We are perfect. We are complete in Him. We are made new. Okay? Colossians 2.10, 2 Corinthians 5.17. But progressive sanctification happens through obedience. When you and I go positive to the promise, positive in faith, we are being conformed. And we said this word last week, to be conformed, from that beginning prefix, co, that it's, we are not alone, but there is someone there doing the heavy lifting, walking with us as joint heirs, and that is Christ. And we are being conformed, Romans 8.29, to look like him, sound like him, act like him, and be like him in time. Okay? So, this is a process. Life is a process. Uh, we said a few classes ago, the struggle is real. Anybody in a struggle? Okay. Good. I think we're all in some sort of struggle, right? Uh, struggling is not sin. So be encouraged. If you're in a struggle, that's good. It means God's working in something and working out another thing. But sanctification is really being set apart. Set apart. This is a big word. Uh, to Christ. To Christ. And this is an important word to kind of review in our minds and hearts tonight because sanctification is really important when it comes to humility and submission, which is a big word we're going to talk about tonight, submission. Uh, that is a lot of jokes about submission, but it is the key to experiencing God in your personal life. Submission, it is. And I want to look at that in a minute. So sanctification, it, it really works in this beautiful word, depth, right? Instead of being a styrofoam cup, wandering and blowing around on the surface of the water. We're a piece of iron. We're going deep. We're an anchor. And we are we have some, we have some depth in our life. Because without sanctification, this is what happens. Soulishness. Or soul attachments happen. Which means my emotions, your emotions rule our lives. And how I feel, as we said last class, 
begins to form us. Now, all of us have feelings that can be almost like a mutiny, can it? It can really take over. We said last class that we can feel alone, therefore we are lonely. Right? Even though Christ says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. John 13, 1. But soulishness happens. I'm in touch with my five senses, right? More than truth. And this is a real thing. This is why uh, we get overwhelmed and struggle. And that's just part of the process. Pastor Stevens wrote an amazing book called Crisis. And I highly recommend it. Crisis to process. And in between the crisis and the process is the cross. Is the cross. So don't worry about struggle in your life. Don't worry about the uh, things you don't understand or the things that you wrestle with. It's good to wrestle with God. It's good. It's good. It's not only good, it's great. It's not only great, it's awesome. Not only is it awesome, it's necessary. If, you, if we're going to grow, we have to wrestle with God. So that might be a little bit of a foreign concept, like wrestle with God. Yes, it's good to not just swallow something because we're supposed to swallow it, but we're chewing it, thinking about it, asking questions, proving it, wrestle with God. And he'll bless you and give you a new name. So crisis to process, really. Sanctification is a big deal. And I think we've really done well in, in communicating what that is. So suffering can produce sanctification, uh, right? Suffering. What does suffering do in our life? Talk to me. What does suffering do in our life? Yes. Tests our faith. Good. Brings us to the altar, okay. To the cross, good. What else does suffering do? Yes, Brandon. Produces endurance. Good, produces endurance, okay. What else? What does it show us? What does suffering show us? Where our source is. Good, that's right, where our source is. What spirit we're living in. What we have and what we need, Okay. So one thing that's really important is soulishness means I begin to operate in my soul. Think in the five parts of my soul. I begin to think and function in my emotions, right? Okay. Relationships, which we're going to spend most of the class tonight talking about, is if relationships are in my soul or if they're soulish relationships... It's all going to be about feelings. It's all going to be about the impression or the perception of truth rather than the reality of truth. Okay? And this is where a lot of problems come in relationships. Soul attachments mean I need you, you need me, and if you don't say what I want you to say or do what I want you to do, I get offended. Or if you, you, I need you to prop me up so that I feel good about myself. That's all soulishness. Very much a uh, 
a relationship void of truth. Empiricism, it's a good word, empiricism is knowledge gained based on the five senses. Okay, sounds good, but <laughs> very interesting verse, Isaiah eleven three. 3, Jesus did not come to any conclusion based on what he heard or what he saw. Isaiah eleven three. good verse to check out on your own. How did Jesus come to conclusions? Came to conclusions based on the truth of his father. He was sanctified in truth. Now, John 17 is one of those chapters that if you read that, guaranteed, if you read John 17 for a month, it'll blow your mind every time you read it. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible where Jesus and his father has a conversation about you and me. Talks about you. He talks about me. He talks about the body of Christ. He talks about the universal believers. And I love this. Jesus says, I have kept them and lost none. An amazing chapter that I would love to spend the whole night talking about. But I will just quote 1717. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Define them in truth. Truth. Not perception, not based on the five senses, not in deductive and inductive reasoning. I want you to take the truth, and what the truth says defines who you and I are. And that is so good. Isn't that good? That's so good. Because without the truth, we're just guessing. And that's why you're in Bible college. That's why I'm in as a student forever here, we are learning and being sanctified. And you know what's really edifying? Somebody says, somebody said this to me the other day, uh, how, much, uh, how do I know if I'm growing? And I said, well, do you need God more today than you did yesterday? And they said, yes. So then you're growing. Our neediness is really good. When we see our need for God, then guess what happens? We are hungry to receive from God. Okay. Sanctification. Progressive sanctification. It's a process. So don't be hard on yourself and say, gosh, I wish, I can't believe I'm still struggling in this area. Or look at that person. They got it all together. Or man, I can't believe that I still don't get it. And we can be really like hard on ourselves rather than this. Lord, teach me. Lord, help me. Lord, give me a desire. Psalm 42 is a beautiful verse. Psalm 42, 42 is a beautiful chapter, excuse me, saying that I want a hunger and thirst after you, God. The psalmist is saying, Lord, you do it in my life. You create it. You develop it. You, 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 you. And guess what happens? He does the work, and we experience it, and walk in it, and there's fruit. All right? Sanctification, amen? It's not earning it or keeping it. It's we're set apart to Jesus to do one thing. We're learning of him, right? Learning of him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Where is that written? 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. Learn of me. Learn, learn, learn. Don't just learn technique. Don't just learn theology. Please don't learn just theology. Even though theology is awesome. Learn Christ. It's like this, somebody preparing for a message. You don't, you don't study to prepare a message. You study to know God. And God gives you a message. World of difference. World of difference. All right, boy. I, I got to move on here. So, uh, relationships, okay? Relationships. I just said a lot of things there. Maybe I should stop for a minute. Any, any comment on, on this? Sanctification, any question or comment about that? I can say something about it. Like, yes. Listening that I'm reading something, and in the book it says that if everything is good, nothing is really good. Say that again, nice and loud. If everything is good, if everything seems good, it's not really good. Nothing, nothing is good. Like, it's kind of our, like our relationship. We keep everything is good in our life. Like maybe we might have something. Okay. Because like you know, if God is doing something in vocation, and it's always like gonna be upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. The ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flow, the good days and the bad days, the faith, the day we're on our face, the day we're on our back, the day we're standing strong. Yeah, we're learning him, we're receiving grace, we're responding by faith, right? The only time we lose is when we quit, right? So don't quit, amen? Let's say that together, don't quit. Come on, say it like you mean it. Whoa, one, two, three. Good, yes. Uh, this is a sanctification means... John 3.30, it's less of me, more of him. And that is a good thing, right? Like Erhan just said, we might, the process might be messy, but the outcome is beautiful, right? The tapestry, I remember being in, a, in Germany, seeing this beautiful tapestry, but you flip it over, it's full of knots and gnarls and really like, whoa, like, a, like really kind of ugly. But you can see the process of how the tapestry came about, right? Because you and I are in process in time, but God looks at us complete in his son. All right. I want to talk a little bit about humility. And this word helps us understand this next word, uh, submission. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 together. Humility. Ephesians chapter 4, is that the, yes. So, humility is not thinking too low of myself or thinking too high of ourselves, but we're not thinking of ourselves, okay? Because humility is a God consciousness. We're just aware of God. You and I are humble, and oftentimes you'll never know it, we'll never know it, but a fruit of humility is a God consciousness. Okay? Psalm 25, 11, we are teachable and we are focused on God and his mission and his way more than our mission and our way. And I love this verse. 
uh, it said here in verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay? Notice those words, lowliness. Low. Going in low. Right? Our approach is very important. We can certainly go in with all guns blazing, but that might destroy the person, right? But lowliness, gentleness. These are all works of the Spirit, right? Self-control, Galatians 5.22. They are spirit dominations, if we could say. Okay, spirit dominations. Okay, and this is Galatians 5.22. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is not self-will or self uh, control. It is the Holy Spirit has conquered us. Amen? And that only happens through one way, right? Through surrender. Lord, fill me today. Lord, give me your mind today. Lord, speak through me today. Okay? So if you're trying to be humble, you're probably not. You're probably, and I'm probably proud, right? Because humility in a lot of mindsets is self-effacement. It's like a posture. It's like, you know, I've got to be someone's whipping post or I've got to be low and maybe I talk really low. Kind of have like a kind of a somber looking face. and Self-effacement where it's all an act. But humility is God consciousness. It means that there's lowliness, gentleness, and this is the key word, Endeavoring or fighting to keep the unity of the spirit. Not the unity of the project. Not the unity of the outcome. Not the unity of the team. It is something much deeper. Unity of the spirit. Give me an example of unity of the spirit. What's an example of the fruit of unity of spirit? Let's say you're doing a project. And you got some other people with you, and they're they're diverse, and maybe you're kind of your way and their way is like opposites. What's unity of the spirit? I always tell men before you marry your wife, if you can uh, put together IKEA furniture and not kill each other, then maybe there's a chance you should get married. Okay, that's a joke. Okay, okay. great joke here. Okay. Unity of spirit. What are we saying? Give me an example. Unity of spirit. Dorm life. Dorm life. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that means. I mean, is that an arena for unity of spirit? Okay, what's the fruit? What's an example of unity in the dorm life? Oh. Living with uh, these other people who know immediately. Okay. And it's not because of where they're from, but Okay, let's be more specific. 
That's good. Unity of spirit, Brandon. Fruit of love. Okay. There's love manifested. Good. In the dorm. Right? I was a dorm head. I had a lot of guys. If you didn't do your ditches, you put them in your bed. Huh. That was great. Love. Love <laughs> and humility. It's amazing how quickly they wash their dishes next time. Chelsea. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> okay, peace. Like rendering, like when there's tension, Good. You're a peacemaker. Does that mean we cave? Does that mean we compromise? No. But we seek peace. Good. What's another unity of peace? Unity of the spirit of peace. Joy. Joy. Thank you. That's a big one. Joy, right? Right, joy. Joy is our strength. What's another thing? What's another one? Okay, patience. Good. Do we possess any of these things? Maybe a little bit. Ha <laughs> Really, honestly, we don't possess what we need. Uh, that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. God has everything we need, right? So humility... How do I develop humility in my life? We just become more focused on who God is. And then what happens? We're sanctified to his image. And the fruit is humility. Or meekness, teachability. All right? And this is 25.9, not 25.11. I'm sorry. 25.9. All right. So sometimes there's this thought, i got to be more humble, you know. That's not, that's not how it works. Uh, it doesn't, that's not how it works. Because <laughs> I can't make myself humble, just like Jesus couldn't nail himself to the cross. People will definitely deliver you to God. And your attitude in the dorm, or in your workplace, or in your personal life, through the process of sanctification, you say, okay, God, I am crucified with you, it's, it's nevertheless I live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the very next verse says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't frustrate it. Why? Because I'm receiving it. I'm receiving grace for every step of my personal journey. I do not frustrate the grace of God. You know what frustration is? It's, frustration is the ability of not being able to move through something or complete something or understand something. Have you ever been frustrated before? Anybody? Alyssa has her hand way up in the air. Yeah, all of us should have our... I, I get frustrated. And the, Paul is saying here, do not frustrate the grace of God. And this is how you do it. Receive it. Trust in it and believe in it. Okay, so humility is one of these phenomena in our life that God gives and God, uh, God cultivates. I mean, think of David and the mighty men and that guy Simei throwing dirt in David's face. What, what, what did the mighty men say? What did the mighty men say? There's King David walking with his, his gang, and a little runt throws uh, dirt in his face. 
What would you do? Tim, what would you do if someone did that to you? Tim would, well, Tim would be very humble. No. <laughs> I mean, we'd probably, like the mighty men said, hey, can we take this guy's head off? Can we deal with this guy? And what did David say? What did David say? Come on now. Uh, Salam. Yes. He says, spare this man because this could be the Lord. What happened to David? David didn't think of himself. He did. He restrained himself because he was God conscious. And therefore he was zero and God was at the center. And he spared that young man, that man's life. And he uh, said, this could be the Lord. That's awesome. God, give us humility, right? The next time things go sideways, Lord, what is it that you're teaching me? Lord, what is your will here? I have the power to, uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue, so Lord, help me speak life, right? All right. All right, that's so important. We could say a lot about humility here. But this verse, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we're unified in the Spirit, then this, the bond of peace, there'll be uh, Ephesians 2.14, He is our peace. Big verse there. He is our peace. He says in John, I give you peace not as the world gives you peace. Right? right peace wholeness, uh, and unity. And that's a big word. So let's say you have a disagreement with somebody. I like what Chelsea said. Okay, let's win the heart rather than trying to win the argument, right? Let's win the heart. Okay, hey, so we see, we don't see eye to eye on this. Let's, let's take a step back. Let's look at the big picture. And how can we work together and find a common denominator here. How do we do it? Communication, prayer, and moving slowly. Slow to speak, quick to hear, right? Humility. All right, I'm spending a lot of time on that, but I need to shift. Any questions on that? Humility. You can't offend a dead man, right? Right? You ever go to a funeral and start kicking the corpse? I mean, we wouldn't do that, right? There's no response, right? The problem is we get offended and hurt because we're still alive in our flesh. We do. I got to defend myself. I want. I got to. Pres- I got to present myself and posture my power. God's like he opened not his mouth to his accusers. Humility is. Very powerful, very powerful, and it's it's something God uh, God works in our life, and He does it by breaking us, breaking us, crisis to process, where it's no like Jesus in Gethsemane saying, "It's no longer my will, but Thine." If that, if it's Your will to take this cup, take it. If not. Your will be done. This cross life, place of surrender, leads us into a place of sanctification. Okay? All right. So 
Wow, that's so good. Okay, let's look back here, First Peter. I mean, this is, so your syllabus says we're going to go through two chapters tonight. We're going to be just going to go through one, and then the next class we'll take care of four and five. But chapter three is just too loaded. It's too loaded. So now this word submission, now I've spent kind of a lot of preparatory work here because what I want to say about submission really needs to be seen in the right context, okay? I remember doing a conference in China, and uh, we talked about this subject of submission, and it was enlightening. This word does not mean slavery, okay? It does not mean slavery or being someone's personal slave. But this word is beautifully, it's a glad surrender. Okay? The Greek word is tasso, which means to come under, to come under another person's authority. Sorry, I ran out of room there. So, how many read this chapter? Just curious. Good. Thank you for reading the chapters before. It helps understand what we're going to look at. Wives. Hey, don't shoot me here. Yes, I talked to some husbands today, and I won't tell you their jokes, but wives, likewise be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the contact conduct of their wives when they observe the chaste conduct accompaniment by fear okay let me just stop right there submission this is a beautiful word in the context of Christ it is a terrible word if it's looked at outside of Christ okay because it's very much misunderstood in a lot of relationships. And, and let me say something about relationships. Relationships. This is a big word. It comes from the word to relate. How you relate to somebody. How you see somebody. How you think about somebody. This will be the environment of your relationship. How you see them, how you think about them, how you relate to them, how you connect to them. I want to unpack this for a minute. To relate means rapport. I think there's one P. Is there one P? Rapport? Okay, one P. So, relationships, and we're going to go into marriage in a minute. But relationships are amazingly uh, beautiful gift in our life. They can be super complicated too, because people are—we are complicated people, unfortunately. And and but our relationships are designed for submission. Ephesians five twenty-one, and that is the verse of the class. Who wants to read that tonight? Ephesians five twenty-one. This is the verse of the whole class. Who wants to read that? Josh, do you want to help us out with that? Yeah. So as Josh is looking it up, to relate. 
to, so let's say Joe and I are friends. Now, I relate to Joe on many levels, okay? We're similar age. We like similar things. Uh, we like to talk. He's the only one that calls me 7.30 in the morning, asks me theological questions, which is awesome. <laughs> Sorry I didn't call you back this morning. Uh, but our rapport is a doctrinal rapport, and our relationship or friendship is probably a better word. There's connections based on common interests. Okay. Now, relationships in your life or friendships in your life, they grow, friendships grow into relationships. And maybe one of those relationships turns into marriage. But the foundation of a successful marriage is a deep friendship. That's why love is patient. And if someone has to rush into a relationship, then it's not love at all, it's lust. Because lust is impatient. Lust is all about what it gets. Lust is all about what it needs. But love is patient, it's humble, it's kind, it thinks no evil, it does not think about itself, it's not easily provoked. It's a good litmus test for your relationships, right? Do I always have to be right? Or am I preferring that person greater than myself? Is that person really relating to Christ in the relationship? Because I can relate to my past. I can relate to my failures. I can relate to my hurt. And this all becomes a filter that that poor person has to jump through hoops to figure you or I out. But relationships that are relating and have a rapport, a connection, and a presupposition that's Christ, those are beautiful. That's beautiful. I know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. What an awesome foundation for a relationship. Can I submit to somebody? Can I come under their authority? Can I follow them if Christ is at the center? Yes, that's a healthy relationships where we're too busy honoring each other so that we are preferring each other so no one cares who gets the glory. A soul attachment's different. It's all about me. It's all about what you didn't do. And it's oftentimes talking about failure, and there's a lot of talk about hurt, and the past is definitely not the past. It's the present. It's definitely the present. Okay? Relationships, they are a work of grace. They have to be. <laughs> They have, that's why we forgive often in our relationships. We have to. No ledger. I'm getting way ahead of myself. One of the greatest advices, advice I was ever given in marriage counseling was do not have a ledger. What's a ledger? It's an inventory of things that you have. Okay? It's an inventory of what you have. So let's say you're in a relationship and someone's done you wrong. Now, that doesn't give them permission to keep doing you wrong, but if the person has corrected themselves and there's been forgiveness, we don't hold that wrong against them. But let's say I don't forget, forgive it. I don't forget that that person did 
wrong to me. I keep it in my back of my mind. And I remind that person whenever they do something that I don't like. That's a ledger. And I love in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not hold a ledger. It does not remember the wrongs done to it. But at the end of the day, the day is gone. The sun goes down. We're not full of wrath. And we say, it's a clean slate. Tomorrow is a clean slate. That's a great way to start and develop a relationship. And that takes humility through the process of sanctification. Because everyone's full of justice and full of what fairness and full of what should have happened. It makes me sick, actually. makes me sick. Why? Because it does not reflect a godly relationship. And this is something we see in counseling a lot, and we've all experienced it, myself included, is we try to have a godly relationship with secular tools. But we try to have a godly relationship with the world's advice. That's why people live together. They, they do all this stuff. They play house and, and, um, and they, they, they're doing it so they don't get hurt again. They're doing it because they're fearful. But in marriage, there's a beautiful order that God blesses. And God is faithful to show you and lead you in that beautiful decision of marriage. So, all right, I'm way ahead of myself. Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's say that this is the verse. Submit yourselves one to another in the... Come on now. Let's do it again. I'm excited. I'm stirred up here. We're going to have a lot of relationship counseling. We're gonna, I, I, we talk about this every day. And we're all learning it. None of us have arrived. But Ephesians 5.21, ready? Submit yourselves one to another in, in, in. Where are we? I don't even know where I am. There I am. In the fear of the Lord. So that means, let's take Ray, for example. Ray and I have good fellowship. In our conversation, I submit in the fear of the Lord, and I learn from Ray. Or Tim, or Brandon, I go around them. In the, in the spirit of unity, there is a beautiful submission to come under the authority, just like an umbrella. It's raining outside, we come under it, and we're dry, we're somewhat dry. Right? The pastor-teacher, Hebrews 13, 17, we come under him, not because he's any greater than us, but because we follow or submit to his faith. This is your decision. This is my decision. And it is the decision that will either cause us to experience God or not. Or not. Right? I'm I'm I can be on the I can be in the water, I can be half in the boat and half in the water, right? No, it doesn't work like that. Half in the airplane, half out of the airplane, right? No, I'm either all in or all out, right? And guaranteed there are trust issues when we talk about submission. I haven't gotten into the class yet. Trust. 
Try, oh, that's a beautiful word. It takes a minute to destroy it, a lifetime to build it. So what am I relating to in my relationships? Am I relating to my past and disqualifying the person even before they begin? Let's say someone might say, oh, I, I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. What is that? That's weird. Okay, That's what that is. We forgive, and the Holy Spirit replaces the hurt with faith, with trust, and with hope. Otherwise, I'm holding on to people's failures, and I don't know Christ, but I know the past. I can tell you all day what that person did wrong, how bad they are, and how much I'm crying about it. I'm not making light of this, but I am saying that the Holy Spirit can give you and I trust as we relate to Jesus Christ and what he has done in that person's life. Now, let me balance this. I'm not saying you should stand there and be constantly hurt or abused or like shamed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we should have boundaries. But how am I re- who, who am I relating to in my relationships? This happens a lot in friendships. Uh, I remember counseling a, 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 a young lady. And she she um, she's talking to me about this relationship she's in, and she's like, "Well, he's not like Pastor Shower. He doesn't do this, this, and this." And, this. and I, I was like, "Her expectations were so high that Mount Everest was was too small, right?" And I said, "I said, give the guy a little bit of time, encourage him." And I, I think, you know, just pray and walk in faith and, you know, just give him a chance. That's kind of my counsel. That was really brilliant. So she did. She did. And because our expectations, we can relate to something that's not realistic. I mean, everyone wants to marry Pastor Schaller in that sense, right? I mean, having his, um, he's, he's, he's an amazing believer. But, but I'm sorry, I mean... God will show you and I something beautiful and something in someone else that that resembles Christ because we're relating to Christ. We're looking for Christ in each other. It's funny. So eight months later, they're married. These people. I won't tell you their names. They're doing great today. What happened? She goes, I discovered him. And I, tr- I just said, Lord, I'm going to give him a chance. And I told the guys, I said, I said, listen, I said, I know what you want in a woman. You had some list and the whole thing. I said, what's she going to get? What is she going to get? And I say that's us guys. Like, we know what we want in a woman. I have a great woman, but I'm just saying, 25 years married, so I'm not saying I was perfect in all my ways. But what is it that she's going to get? What kind of man is she going to get? A God-fearing man, hopefully. A humble man. A man that cares and walks with God. So that's beautiful. So submission, submission. All right, we should probably read some more of this verse, right? Any questions so far? Are you still with me? Now, you know, in, in, in friendships and relationships, we're learning from each other. We're preferring, Romans 12.10, we're preferring one with another. We are uh, learning and listening and and uh, fellowshipping one with another in relating. Relationships come from the word relate. I'm 
seeing Christ in the other person. Right? So our submission is not in word only, but it's in conduct. It means we're not just talking the talk, we're walking. We're actually, in this particular case, when the man's not listening, which can happen. Okay, us guys have trouble listening. My wife always knows when I'm not listening. All right? And I'm zoned out somewhere. She's like, hello, you know. Uh, you know, you win them by conduct. You win them by conduct. And then look at look what you, look what goes on here. Do not let your adornment be mere outward, because that's soulish, right? I mean, attraction and beauty is beautiful, but it can be skin deep, right? Or the the knight in shining armor, the the muscles, the the capability. It's all good, you know. It's all good, but it's not it's not the, the most important thing. Arranging the hair. Wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. How does that happen? Through submission to God. And then to one another. Now, I must make this abundantly clear. We are submitting to the Christ in the other person. That's really important. We're submitting to the Christ in the other person. If there's a verbal abuse or physical abuse or just familiarity or, or whatever negative things that can happen, God's not called us to sit there and be a whipping post. You know what a whipping post is? You know what a whipping post is? Anybody martial art is either whipping or you have a post and you train. You train. It's very interesting. We used to do this. So you hit the post. Over and over, so you train your knuckles and your arms and your wrist, your hands and your wrist, not to feel pain. So you keep striking, keep striking, keep striking, and your hands are all bloody. But after a certain amount of time, you get calloused, and your hand is able to handle the impact, and you condition yourself not to feel pain. Okay. All right. That's that's kind of an interesting thing there. You're not called to have that in your relationship. You're not called to be that kind of person that gets pounded on. Okay, that's not the submission we're talking about, right? You're not someone's slave, right? And if you're in a relationship like that, get help, okay? Walk, do not run. Uh, excuse me, run, do not walk from that kind of relationship, okay? So he's saying here, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Okay? It's great, isn't it? Like I knew with me in Bible school, I dated a lot. And that probably wasn't the wisest thing. Because I didn't know what I needed. I know what I wanted. I didn't know what I needed. And I remember in, in one, of my, uh, one of my relationships, I said, you know, I'm done. I'm just done trying to figure this out. So for two and a half years, I went overseas and I said, I'm done. And then when you let go and you submit to God, when you submit to God, that's when things become clear. It took two and a half years for it to become clear to me, because <laughs> uh, I'm a little slow maybe, but I met my wife overseas and we served together in the Ukraine, and the rest is history. I didn't even see her before, because my mind was on something and, oh, this is kind of what it's supposed to be like and all that. God's like, you're way off, and, and I'm gonna, <laughs> you're just going to have to wait on me. And then in time, as we submit to God, 
to come under his authority, he says, now I'll show you my will. Now I will speak to you my way. All right, let me show you a couple things. How you doing? You good for another few minutes? How are we doing? Are we all right? Talk to me, all right? You all kind of look like you're doing all right. Nupu, you good? Look at that. Nupu's giving me the thumbs up. All right. Do you say, oh, oh, 50-50? Oh. All right. Five more minutes. All right. So submission. All right. So let me give you some practical points here. Um, okay. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Hebrews 5.8. Okay. A lot of people want the glory, but they don't want the process. Let me tell you, once you get there, you're not going to have anything to give unless you've been through the process. Jesus learned. Oh, my goodness. Talk about submitted. He, he laid aside his deity to learn, to identify, to demonstrate our faith. James 4, 7. Let's read this. Submission. It's a big word. It's not an easy word. It isn't. We wrestle with this word. But when we, when we submit to God, we find that he has something good. Right? Submit, therefore, submit to God. That's how we resist the devil. I can't defeat the devil. You can't defeat the devil. Our temptations, our struggles, our genetic flaws. What's the answer? Submit to God. So, Lord, I, I am undone. I am surrendering. Job 2221. 20, Look at this real quick. I mean, you're doing it tonight, listening to me. You're submitting in this sense where you are learning, and I thank you for that, right? And as leaders, we have to be super careful not to abuse our power. That's super important. Like Paul said, we do not lord it over you, but instead we serve. The greatest among you serves, right? 2221. What's it say? Uh, is that the word? I, is that the one I want? Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. There's a different translation in my Bible other than this. Acquaint yourself with him. Submit yourself to him and you will find peace. Are you struggling with something tonight? Are you wrestling with something tonight? Submit to God, which means... Ezra, Ezra said it like this. He laid the scroll out before the Lord. And he said, God, talk to me. It's all out. Hebrews 4.13. You see everything, so I lay it all out. And it's all, and there's nothing hid from you, God. I am totally submitted and listening to you. Isn't that good? Look at Luke 22.42. Look at this. Now, you have to use wisdom. We don't just submit to anybody, right? Right? We submit to who? Who do we submit to? Submit to Christ, to God, and say, Lord, 
Give me wisdom on who to submit myself under. God will show you healthy places to submit to. Because in submission, we experience God. We submit one to another. How? In the fear, in the honor, in the reverence of God. Which means, let me be honest, I think of Levin here, for instance. Lenin, excuse me, Lenin. When I look at him, I want to treat him, I want to treat him with respect. Why? Because Christ is in his life, right? I touch him, I touch Christ. Right? I touch Andrew, same thing. I touch him, I speak to him, I handle him, and I'm doing that to Christ. So I want to, so that doesn't mean I'm 100% like a, like a slave, like, okay, your, your will is my command. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I am learning, I am watching, I am observing. Isn't that good? All right, who wants to read Luke 22, 42? But in a relationship, it's deeper. And I, I gotta I gotta open it up in next next half. Because in a relationship, you see the good, bad, and the ugly, and you're like, oh my goodness, what where, what and who are you and what on earth is going on? And I thought this, and what do you do? How do you navigate that? We're gonna talk about that. Luke 22, uh, 42. Who wants to read that? Yeah, Lennon. That's good. When was the last time we said that? Lord, save me. <laughs> Deliver me. Get me out of this mess. No, no, no. No, no. If it's your will. And if it's not, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to love it. I'm going to love you. But I'm going to learn how to trust you. I'm going to learn how to see you uh, and relate to you properly. All right, let's, let's stop there, okay? Let's stop there. Any last questions? We'll break for a few minutes. Any comments? Somebody have their hand up? All right, what's sanctification? What's sanctification? Being set apart. What else? Progressive process. Yeah, it's a progressive process. That's really important. They didn't build Rome in a day, and you're not going to be... Who you think you're going to be in a day. It's going to take a lifetime. And that's a beautiful process. Because we become more and more like Christ. What's humility? What's humility? Humility. Okay. God consciousness. Not thinking about ourselves. Right? That's opposite to the world. Right? The world is about me, 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 me. It's all about me. You know? Okay. And then, where are we here? Submission. What's submission? Glad surrender. Elizabeth Elliot gave that. that glad surrender. Right? All right, let's, let's take a minute. Let's take 10 minutes and enjoy, enjoy a break, okay? All right, very good. All right, we welcome you to the second half. You, you ready? Ready to be ignited through a cannon? <laughs> All right. Hey, let's let's do a little bit of talking just to kind of 
Submission. Submission. Right? What are we talking about? Does not mean UFC. Okay. Josh is over here with the grapple holds. Okay. <laughs> you will be choked out. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. Submission. In Christ, it's beautiful, right, Gerard? Right? How about, how about like a boss? You come under the authority, you give eight hours for eight hours pay, right? Is, is working holy? Yes, it is. If we do it under the Lord, working is holy. All right? Following directions, even if you don't like them. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 15, 4. We made a commitment and we choose to our own hurt to follow through. That is submission, right? We come under the order and authority of someone else, right? What's another example of submission? How about the family? The family order. Kids, Ephesians 6 gives a promise. If you obey your parents, verse 10, you'll live a long life, right? I remind my kid of that every night. <laughs> no, I got I to gotta agree. I got to, Carson's awesome. Okay. Uh, how about husband and wife? They submit one another. One of the best things we can do for our kids is love our wife or love our husband. Our kids are watching our relationships, and they will do what you do more than what you tell them to do. They'll do what you do. Kids to kids, right? Teachers to kids, right? In relationships, cooperations. Um, there's so many personality clashes. Why? Because there's no submission. Feminism. That's coming back, sorry to say. We're in a radical individualistic, a radical individualistic society, which means I am my own God. I don't care about tradition. I don't care about what's happened in our past. I am, it's, I am independent rather than being interdependent. That's why in the body of Christ we need one another. We submit to one another. I love having conversations with Brandon. I love that. Why? Because when I talk, or Sandin, that's another great one. What happens? They say something, I mix it with faith, and all of a sudden, it's God speaking to me. It's God speaking through you to me, or vice versa. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's why familiarity shuts off my ears. The feminist... And we can go a long way with this, but I'm not going to spend my time here. Marriage today is such a mockery because submission is not understood in a godly way. Hebrews 13.4, marriage is holy. So why is it that 75% of people that get married divorce? There's a lot of reasons. Christian and un unbelievers, the numbers are the same Unfortunately, submission's a big deal. And I challenge you to study it out for your own self. 
because none of us do it perfectly, and that's not what I'm asking. But we, if we're submitted to God, that is the place to learn Christ, learn humility, and experience God. Look at Joseph. Wrongly, wrongly accused, sold into slavery, forgotten in jail. He becomes an assistant to, in the jails and to Pharaoh. And then, uh, what is it, Genesis 50, 20, he says that famous statement. What the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. You know that, Genesis 50, 20? How many people know that verse? What the devil meant for evil, and it could have been evil if Joseph didn't submit to God. He could have been bitter. He could have been a, just an absolute wreck in his emotions. Think about it. Twelve years in jail. What, what does somebody look like twelve years in jail? We've seen him. You've seen him, right? The ones that meet Christ... They're humble and they're tender. The ones that don't, ooh. Face tattoos. Right. Face tattoos. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, okay, where was I going with that? Yeah, he forgave his brothers. Why? Why? Because he surrendered to God. Before you and I fight the process, let's make sure we're not fighting God. Before we fight the process, let's make sure we're not fighting God. What do I mean by that? Let's say this is you and I, right? We're in our box, and we don't like it. Lord, get me out of here. I need to get out of here. I don't like anything. I don't like anybody. I don't like that. I don't like myself. Right? Is there any submission there? It's a whole lot of chaos. That's, that's what that is. And it's like, okay, Lord, I don't like it, but I love you, right? And you have something good for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. And guess what happens? All of a sudden, life gets simpler. We start to see the good, and we submit. We're just like, okay, God. And I love what Dave Castro said. He walked in here. I said, Dave, any words from, about submission? He goes, what you give up is so much less than what you gain. Isn't that good? What you give up, what we fight to hold on to, got to fight to hold on to my pride. I got to fight to hold on to what is right and my equality. It's got to be quite fair, right? Give it all up. Give it all up. And guess what? God says, I'll pour into your life the things that you are fighting for. I'll give it to you. I'll just give it to you. If it's my will. All right. Whew, this is so important, what we're saying here. I don't even know if I'm communicating it the way I want to. But all right, let's first Peter. Let's look back here. First Peter. Let's look at first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. You got people in your life that you can't stand, but they're over you. God has somehow allowed that. You will be conformed in that process. And you'll drive that person crazy. 
because you are going to, you're going to be like Christ to them. <laughs> and we've all been there, right? How many people have been there? Anybody? Oh, yeah. I have been there. I remember my boss pulled me one day. This is before I worked for the church. I worked in the corporate world. And they said, they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you so happy? Why aren't you gossiping with your teammates, you know? Like, my boss couldn't figure me out. I said, I don't have time for that. Anyway, that's a, that's a big story there. Like, your, your life speaks volumes. It really does. Your spirit is that hidden person of the heart that we just read about. All right. Submission. Boy, I just love saying that word, right? In the right context, it's beautiful. All right. So uh, let's see here. All right. Look at verse 6, right? Uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Um, look at verse 5. And all men are in former time, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I don't recommend you guys expect that. But whose daughter you are, if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. So there was like a, there was like a holy reverence, right? This is another thing. Like if I demand, if I demand submission, that's not good either. Woman, right? That's already wrong. You know, it's, right? You serve and you love one another. You prefer and you. Lay your life down. What is the greatest aspect of love? 1 John 3.16 is he that layeth down his life. That is submission. You want to have a relationship turn around? Lay down your life. If you want to build a friendship, invest what will build it in a Christ-centered way. Submission. Submission. See, Jesus submitted to the cross. Jesus submitted to the religious leaders. Jesus submitted to the Father's plan. And you and I have hope today, right? And this is what happened with with, uh, Joseph. He had trust. You know, I hear this a lot. We've all hear this. Like, I can't trust. I've been hurt, right? You hit a dog, right? You hit him constantly, right? And the next time someone's hand goes to the dog, what's the dog going to do? The dog's going to shy away. The dog's going to have a muscle memory of being hit. This happens in relationships a lot. That's why you hear the statement, don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? It's the same principle. So as a believer, we're submitted to God. And what what does God do? God renews our mind so that we're not in fear and we're not expecting something bad but we're expecting something good. There's now hope. So let's say we've had a bad experience. Does that have to rule my next experience? If I have a bad meal, does that mean I stop eating? All right. I have people tell me that. Oh, I don't go to church because I've had a bad experience. So okay. So if if you have a bad meal, you get food poisoning, do you stop eating now? You know what I'm saying? So that logic is broken, right? God says, I want to give you hope and trust that I have something good for you. Isn't that good? How many expect that? Something good is going to happen, right? 
I talked with a brother today in Atlanta, and he said this. He says, I woke up this morning, and God, I had this impression God was going to give me something good today. He was called into his employment office, and his boss promoted him. What was that? That was the hand of God. Amen? All right. All right, so let's keep going here. So, so there's order in the family. 1 John 2, 12 through 14. Who wants to read that? This is awesome. This is awesome. The blessing that God puts on a family uh, when there's submission. I remember I tested my dad a lot, right? I tested him a lot. And I learned submission violently. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> This is being recorded, so i got to be careful what I'm saying. I mean, they used every possible way to spank and boat oars and two-by-fours and us moors. We have a thick head. And anyway, we, I learned submission on my knees. <laughs> okay, that's not funny. But First John, let's look at that. First John 2.12. But you know what? We learn it, right? We either fall on the rock and we're broken, or the rock falls on us and we are destroyed. You know this principle? I think it's in Matthew. Fall on the rock, and we're like, okay, God, I'm broken. Rock falls on me, I'm crushed. We want the first one, right? All right, first John, how you doing? You guys are doing great. Doing great. Thanks for being such a good class tonight. Only tonight. All right, uh, Nupu, you want to read first, John? I vowed to have Nupu and Zoe. Zoe, you're next. I gotta have these. I gotta have these. Get, and Josh, did you read tonight? I did. Okay, Alyssa, you're next. If you if you will. If not, it's okay. All right, Nupu, go ahead. Excellent. This is great to read to your kid, you know, like I like this is a great perspective, a great identity. You know, it's really amazing. Like it's we don't we don't rule our homes like with an iron fist. Right. We don't do that, hopefully. But instead, it's it's a it's a place of of care, of clear communication and good example. I'll tell you, one of the worst things that can happen is I act one way in the church and I act a different way in the home. That's like a disaster. That's, I've seen that in the pattern of kids growing up, and once they grow up, they can't wait to fly the coop and leave the church, and they want nothing to do with the church. One of the, one of the reasons is because the parents... Live one way before people and live another way at home. Okay? Submission means, God, I am listening and I am also living. I'm living what I'm listening to, right? 
Now, I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but we do need to be consistent, right? Otherwise, it's hypocrisy. And kids see everything, right? I was at Camp Life. I had 10 kids in our cabin, and I couldn't fake it for one second, you know, because kids see everything, right? And I, I wasn't. I really had a great time, by the way. But, it, right? How many have worked with teenagers, right? Anybody? Right? Andrew, can they see? They can see it right through you, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That was a powerful illustration right there. All right. I feel like I'm losing you guys a little bit. All right. All right. So marriage. Marriage is one of those things that is such a gift from God. So when you read 1 Peter chapter 3, the first eight verses, let's look at verse 7. Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding. Oh, that's a big word. And here comes another little, little zinger that if we don't have it in the right context, it can, be, it can be very discouraging, right? Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, like know your wife or know each other, giving honor to, that, to your wife as to the weaker vessel. Now, let's be clear. They're physically weaker because that's their, the way they're built, but they are not. This is not a connotation to their mental capacity or their ability. Women typically are mature faster and are better than what men. They, they exceed men, actually, excel over men, right? Sorry, guys. But our roles are different. And maybe that's a good point. In feminism and other things, uh, in the LGBTQ community, we see that in this gender craziness is the roles are lost. So the man is the initiator, right? And the woman is the responder. Okay, that is Genesis chapter 3. Now, if the roles reverse where the women want to lead and initiate, it will not be that, and, and they'll lack submission in the sense where a woman will lead a man. And this is where a lot of challenges happen in a marriage. Because either the man is passive or insecure, and the woman becomes dominant because <coughs> she's not being led. And I saw this in Eastern Europe. When, when the men got passive, they drank, and the woman stepped up, and they were capable but they were not, uh, they, they, they were absolutely exhausted uh, because they were, out of, they were out of their order, right? They were out of order. So Matthew 6.33, a woman submits to, the, to a godly man who's walking with God. And I challenge you men, if you really want a, a, a relationship, learn to serve, learn to love, learn to pray, learn to be a servant leader, Serve and seek God and, and speak, speak and, and not only speak, but do what you say and say what you do. Because what will happen is women who are often leaders, I married one, my wife is exceptionally gifted, she's more gifted than I am, but I knew if I led her with a fist, I would have a lot of problems. But you lead gently, and guess what? She will respond 
to you in Christ. She really will. What happens sometimes in a relationship is the man gets insecure and they start to compete with a woman and or trying to compare themselves with a woman and therefore push them down and therefore try to be better. And insecurity is the is terrible. It's a ter- it's it's a lack of love. It's we're not perfected in love. So maybe we all have these flaws. I'm not standing here saying I've arrived and I'm anything perfect. I'm far from it. But when we see these things, we surrender. We say, God, I'm insecure. I surrender that. God, I'm fearful. I surrender that. God, I worry about money. I surrender that. Whatever it is, don't try to defend it or deflect it. Surrender it. Because the man is the initiator of the kingdom of God. He is the servant leader and the sacrificial leader, right? And the woman is the responder and the caretaker, right? Now, I'm not saying she has to be bare feet in bare feet in the kitchen not working. I'm not saying that at all. I believe that women are very capable, and I don't want to make this a gender thing. That's the last thing I want to do. But we do have clear roles, right? That's why we don't have women pastors, right? Women are super important in the church, but they don't lead the church. Why? Because they were not designed that way. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we see the pattern of the church. So hate me for that. It's okay. Okay? That's just not the roles. This is why our world is so ridiculous, because they're out of order. They're out of their roles. So you have all kinds of stuff that, it's like, listen, stay in your lane. God will bless you, but stay in your lane. What's the role? Right? Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So submission means it's not like we're any less, but God says, I will bless you because I've made you for this purpose. Okay, let's look back here. So marriage. Marriage is beautiful. It's a lot of work. Marriage demands maturity. This is why throughout the whole book, God is like, I am building you. I'm making you. I'm, I am remaking you. I love this in Jeremiah 31.4. We wrote a book on this verse. God is a people builder. He is building you. He is building you. He is adding the grace, adding the, the strength, adding the, the endurance. He's doing it. He's doing it. But I can't do it my way. This is, I can't be sitting at the television learning how to have a relationship, right? Or having all these different relationships, having, being sexually active, and all of a sudden it's like, now I'm trying to do a godly relationship with a worldly technique. What happens? Disaster happens. God says, purity. God says, Trust me. God says, pursue me. Matthew 6.33, we seek him first, and what does he do? He adds. And all of us want a good relationship, right? All of us want relationships. But we want a relationship, Proverbs 10.22, that's added by God. Because marrying the wrong person is hell on earth. And I use that on directly, right? <laughs> and I remember my brother and I were talking. It's like, when we... When he met Gosha, he fasted. He fasted for like a month. I think it's more than that. And, uh, and he met her on the mission field, like the same way I do with my wife. God may not, maybe you meet her online. I don't know. But prove all things. Maybe you see her in the church. Discover her in the church or discover him in the church. See that they are functioning in their gifts, pursuing their call. Women, 
follow in love with a guy that's moving in his call. I mean, we want a guy or gal that's active in their calling. Otherwise, we settle and then, you know, we have 2.3 kids or whatever the number is and we have a dog and a white picket fence and life is good, but there's no mission, right? So wait for God's uh, best as you submit and he will lead you and he'll give you more than what you deserve. Isn't that good? Amen? I don't want what I deserve. Anybody want what you deserve? You still with me? Yes. We like in the silent, silence. Oh man, it's, yeah, what I'm saying is, is so important. Um, God help us, right? All right, let's, let's, work, let's work through this a little bit. All right, let's look at verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, and we're in 1 Peter 3 still. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Okay, and then he goes through a list of things. Again, the tongue. The tongue, right? Be very careful in verse uh, 10 to refrain from speaking evil, right? All right, let's look down here. Suffering. He introduces this whole topic of suffering again. So remember what's going on here is Nero is burning Christians at the stake. And imagine you looking out your window and seeing your neighbor that you, that, that you knew they were believers. They're, they're, they're torched in the middle of the square. This is what's happening. Like people were getting very nervous and they were starting to uh, be cautious and, and uh, back off. And he's saying, and he who is with you, let's look at verse 13, and, he, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats or be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Isn't that good? Josh McDowell says, if there was, is there enough evidence in your life to, to give you the verdict of you being a Christian? Like, is there enough evidence if you were put on trial? Would there be enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian? He's saying this, that your testimony, your life will speak louder than your words, right? Hey, what's a, what's a healthy relationship look like? Give me some words. What's a healthy relationship look like? Good communication. Communication, good. What's some other things? What's a healthy relationship look like? Trust. And trust. Good. What's another one? No pressure. No pressure. Ooh. What does that look like, Josh? Yeah, it's just like um, you're you're in, both in a relationship with God and your expectation is from Him, not from each other. So you're not putting pressure on each other to be the same. Be the same. Good. It's like two ticks, right? Not much going on when there's two ticks. They need a they need a, they need a meat source, right? They need a deer. <laughs> Suck the life out of them. That's Christ, right? Very good. 
Talk to me. What's another good relationship point? What does a good relationship look like? Yes, Vanessa. Forgiving. We're most like Christ when we forgive. Man, if that's not at the foundation, whew, I would say take steps backwards and make sure that is active in your friendships. Good. What else? Salam. Prayer. Thank you. Family that prays together stays together. That's true. Olu, what do you think? Healthy relationship. Good. Good. Excellent. Agreements. Unity. Brandon, healthy relationship. Did we already say love? We didn't. Yeah, love. That's kind of important, huh? Very important. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love you. Really? I love my car. I love my dog. I love my coffee. Love. I can't love without Christ loving me. I love to the men who have received love. Love is sacrificial. Love hurts. Love is messy. Someone tells you they love you. Oof. Beautiful. Tim, healthy relationships. Uh, the word, word is the center. Good. Right? Intimacy. Six levels of intimacy. Right? Everyone thinks of touch, right? But actually, the engine is the word. That is that your answer? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know if that was a trick question. <laughs> Ray, healthy relationship. Friendship and teamwork. Good. All right. Good. I know I joke about. Um, putting together Ikea furniture, but my wife and I would not survive probably on Survivor because we think very differently. But that's good. That's why we work so good together. Joe, healthy relationship. Appreciation of the difference. Okay, that's a big one. If I'm trying to change the other person, I'm going to be most miserable. What else? Uh, who else can I turn? Jehu, healthy relationship. Honesty, thank you, someone said that. Honesty. I remember my wife saying before she was my wife, I want to be brutally honest with her. And I started to sweat. Right? <laughs> I was like, what is going to happen next? Right? There's trust that we can be brutally honest within reason. I mean, we don't take the sword out and start swinging each other, but honesty, very good. What else? Let's say we haven't had a good relationship. These are things we initiate. These are things we're looking for. Yes, who raised their hand over here? Alyssa. Okay. Not self-seeking. You want to develop that a little bit? Okay. Good. Guess what? If I'm lonely before a relationship, I'll be lonely in a relationship. Why? Because I'm not submitted to God, right? I'm, I'm looking for that person to, like Josh said, to complete me. There's a movie, something like, you complete me, right? Yeah. Yes. 
scary. Salem, healthy relationship. Okay. Having a call together, right? Have a mission together, right? Nick, anything you want to add to this healthy relationship? Good. So communication, right? Okay, good. Yeah, that's one that you'll be working on your whole life, communication. Right? It's, it's amazing. Sandin, healthy relationship. How many years have you been married? Seven. Seven, seven or 17? Seven. seven. So you're in, the, you're in the seventh inning stretch to tell us something. Something healthy. <laughs> I can't do that. Wait a minute. I love this guy. Honestly, this is progressive. I, I, I don't want you to think like, oh, I've got to have a perfect relationship. There's no such thing. But if Christ is at the center, we're submitted to God, he will give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. right? He really will. And to take our times and build relationships that are God-centered. Because suffering will happen, right? Notice this in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust. So this again shuts down the argument that Christ died only for the elect, right? He died for everybody, right? Just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And then he, he goes into something interesting here. Notice this. Somebody showed me this verse, and I love it, about baptism. Okay, let's read on here. Who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine, divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. This is a great verse for baptism. You see that? How many have read that verse? Okay, I have to be honest. I, have, I did not see that verse uh, except for the, in the last six months when someone brought this to my attention. Baptism. Does, pap, does baptism save you? It does not. What does baptism do? What? Proclaims our faith. Good. Why do we need to be baptized? He did say, yeah. Why? Good. Yes. So, baptism. Remember the baptism. The man on the cross, the thief on the cross. Did he get baptized? No. Okay. So, baptism is a declaration of discipleship. But this verse. This is also in Romans chapter six. This is a good verse. Uh, two through four talks about how we uh, we we died with him, we were buried with him, we were raised with him in baptism. 
And now we live in the newness of life. So we just had a baptism. 14 people got baptized. It's amazing. It is a command from the Old Testament. Jesus got baptized. But look what he says here. What do you see in this verse? What does baptism do? Yes, Vanessa. Uh, Chelsea, excuse me. Yes. Good. So notice what he says here. It's not the removal of filth. It's not like the outward expression. It is an inward surrender, an inward submission. That we are now Christ followers. Conscience. What's our conscience? What's our conscience? Zoe, what's our conscience? Good. Yes, it's our norms and standards. How we gauge what's right and wrong. He is saying here that I'm purging you and giving you a new standard of right and wrong. And baptism is an example of that. Okay. All right, last verse, Ezekiel 44. Let's look at that together. Ezekiel 44, 23. Is that the verse I want? Yes, Ezekiel 44, 23 and 24. And then I have, as you're turning there, don't forget the essay, okay? The essay you can write, please write only three paragraphs, not three pages, not three sentences, three paragraphs typed. And I want you to write about submission, okay? And how it impacts relationships, okay? Because I told this recently to a, to a gentleman, before we can lead people, we must first be led. Big word. Can I be led? If I'm submitted to God, we can be led. And that becomes a work of the Spirit. So many want to lead, so many want to do. Let's be led of God, and then we can lead others to God. All right, Ezekiel 44. Who wants to read that? Uh, who did I have not have read tonight? Chelsea, did I have you read yet? we got to end. We're at one minute. Good verse. Ezekiel 44. So baptism, it's a beautiful expression of a disciple of our faith. Ezekiel 44, 23, and 24. Sorry we didn't have the breakout groups tonight. I try to have those. I, I like those. Yeah, go ahead. Forty-four, Ezekiel forty-four twenty-three. Is that the right verse? Okay. Yes, here it is. Go ahead. This is what happens. This is the fruit of submission. That's kind of why I'm I'm sticking this verse out here. Fruit of submission is this. Go ahead. So Ezekiel 44, 23. Okay, there it is. What happens when we submit to God? 
He teaches us what's holy, what's unholy. He gives us discernment. All right, we'll pick up on that the next class. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. Bless our students, Lord. Really help us, Father, in life's connections. Lord, give us, help us to relate to the right things. Help us to, help us to really uh, submit to you so that we know how to function in life's details and life's relationships. Lord, give wisdom. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so essay on this class, three, three paragraphs. Thank you so much. God bless you.